Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good day to wherever you are listening. My name is Vinny Henke, and welcome to the Generations Church podcast. I'm here with Jeff Ludington, lead pastor of Generations Church, and we're going to continue our series entitled Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, where we're looking at the modern themes and connections found in the Heidelberg Catechism. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to actually get this started with you. Uh, Let me say this to anyone listening. We did an intro podcast to this where... We asked, what is the Heidelberg Catechism? What is a catechism in general? How do you use this? Why is this important? Uh, the structure and the breakout of how it works. And uh, I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, go back and listen to the introduction, uh, whether you listen to it after you listen to this or before, but please listen to it. I think it'll give us some context for this. Uh, today, Vinny, you and I are going to work through Lord's Day 1, uh, two questions. And so, uh, first off, just giving us a recap, what's a Lord's Day and, and what are we doing here? Yeah, so the Catechism is made up of 52 Lord's Days, which are meant to be taken over the 52 Sundays of the year, and then each Lord's Day, depending on the theme and placement in the Catechism, has its own set number of questions and answers. So for instance, Lord's Day 1, which we'll be covering today, has question 1 and 2, which we're going to read to you right now. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, question 1, I'm gonna, and how we're going to do this each week as we open up our podcast as we intro it, I'm going to ask the questions, and Vinny's going to answer them, and so they're written in question and answer form. I'm going to do this like a father would be teaching, teaching his son, or mother, daughter, just, you know, mentor, disciple, however it might work, uh, but this was a teaching tool intended to a, be a question asked with a memorized answer. So Lord's Day 1, you've already said it has two questions. Here we go. Question 1, what is your only comfort in life and death? Answer 1. That I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong into my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Very good. Question two, what must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? These three things. First, how great my sin and misery is. Second, how may I be delivered from all my sin and misery. And third, how I shall express my gratitude to God for such deliverance. Very cool. So if we were to do this, and I know you did this with Noah, And when you did it with Noah, I know this because I've already asked you, you memorized the shorter versions of the answers. Now, most answers are fairly short. In fact, the answer to question two that you read is the full answer. Right. Question one has a really long answer to it, and there's a couple others. And so in some places you'll find, if you look this up online, you'll find the shorter or longer versions. Uh, For the most part, they're the same. And, And the answer you gave is the most robust part of it. But do me a favor, just for anybody listening, uh, the answer you gave is memorizable. Right? The idea is that this is memorized. If I ask Noah, your son, today, Noah, what is your only comfort in life and death? He would give me that answer, right? Yep, yes, he would. So now, would you, would, if you would, just so that you can hear the context, there is a longer answer to question one. Uh, do you want to read that for us? Yeah. So the long version reads, that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's where it continues. Who, with his precious blood, has fully satisfied for all my sins, delivered me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head, that all things must work together for my salvation, 
Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready to live for him. So you can see why we chose the shorter version. Uh, I think that I am not my, long, my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I think that's memorizable. That's a hard word to say. Memorizable yeah. for anyone really of any age. And so yeah. let me ask you this. How old was Noah when you started this with him? So we started this uh, at eight years old, and we worked, uh, worked through it over him. I gave him a little uh, pocket copy of the Heidelberg Catechism mm-hmm. so he could carry it with him. Those are easily found online. Right. You can get one anywhere. Um, but we, we started at eight years old. Have you done this to the girls at all? Yeah, not quite yet. They're, they're at six. Norjean just turned eight, so we'll probably right. get something started. What we have used is another type of catechism that was much shorter. It was yeah. about 30 questions okay. compared to the 129, uh, but we started that er- as early as kindergarten with both girls. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. All right, so <clears throat> a couple things that you, uh, you may not pick up that I think are important. Uh, in these questions, when I ask the question, just like when you do with your children, uh, what is your only comfort in life and death? I'm asking in the second person, what is your comfort? When you answer, it's that I am not my own. It's in the first person. So this is a catechism that is designed to be memorized in the first person, truths that I am speaking about me, my faith, my belief. Yep. And so uh, one, of those, the, one of those things that I just wanted to point out is this is when you're asking the question, you're asking the person memorizing. When the person memorized, who is learning this, when they're answering, they're answering in the first person. Awesome. Super helpful as we just continue to press into that structure and become more familiar with it, and this will become easier as we spend more time with it. Um, ready to make those connections and work on some of the commentary we want yeah, to provide? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. If you, uh, one thing I think we haven't said yet, uh, maybe, uh, if you get a copy of the Heidelberg Catechism, be it paper, PDF, you get it in a book, whatever you want to do, um, there are scriptural references right. that go with each question. So we don't yep. read all the footnotes or read all the questions. We're not going to cover all the verses today. But this is truths taken right out of Scripture. In fact, I'll give you one. 1 Corinthians 6, the second half of verse 19 and all of verse 20 says this, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And so when we hear answer one, that I am not my own, that I am Christ, right? right. This is, these are truths coming right out of Scripture. Now, again, like you said, our job, of course, is to make it relevant today. Yep. That's one of the things why we're doing this, right, is because we, as we talked about in the first episode, the, the catechism is littered with footnotes and rooted in, yeah. in the truth of Scripture and why we see it applicable to our life today. Well, let's talk about perhaps maybe a little motivation, like why you think the catechism starts with comfort, um, looking to both the mentor and the mentee who are working their way through it to, to press into that our only comfort in life is found in the fact that we are not our own, but belong body and soul to Jesus Christ. Why, why do you think it starts there? Or how? Let's talk about it. Sure. So my only comfort. So what is your only comfort in life and death? So <clears throat> where do I, excuse me, where do I find comfort both in living, <clears throat> wow, excuse me, and if, if I were to die? And so I, I, I see this question uh, through two lenses, really. I see the first most prominent one uh, and it probably should be reversed. But the first most prominent one when I think of this question is I see it through a pastoral lens. Uh, over the weekend, uh, a couple funerals took place for me. Um, I did one of them. Uh, there was another one for a family member. And so when I see this, a lot of times, whether I am the person who has lost some, somebody or I am the one officiating in the funeral, the memorial service, we're looking to find comfort for people. And so comfort for people alive. And, and do we have any comfort about the person who has passed. 
And so this question leads off, <clears throat> and it's a very uh, now, today, but also eternally focused question. What is our only comfort in life and death? And, and if, if our answers, well, if our, if our answers were honest, I would say in our lives, in our day-to-day -day lives, we find comfort in a lot of other things. Whether that be in, the, you know, in our bank account or in our marriage or in our children or education, um, whatever we find comfort in, if those things are true, what happens if you lose them? So the second lens I see things through, and again, I said this should be, if it was in priority order, it should be reversed. But the second lens I see it through, as a human being following Jesus every day, who's married, who you know, has a real life to live, and, uh, and, and just in, in honesty with Lisa's health, right? So if yeah. you're listening today and you don't know that, my wife's been sick for many years. And so we have had to find comfort in the midst of hard things during life uh, we can't find comfort in health, and we can't find our comfort in date night all the time, or we can't find comfort in uh, going on vacation or whatever, because some of those things have been sacrificed due to health. And so we have been pushed to a place of finding our only comfort when we need comfort in life, or should we die, in the fact that we are Christ's. Hmm. So the catechism really, I mean, right from the get-go, right out of the gate, it, it's after our heart condition. It's, it's after those things we find our security, our identity, um, I mean, our comfort in, and, and really delivering that, that bold gospel truth that we preach all the time, that outside of Christ, there is no eternal security, there is no eternal comfort, there, right. there is no salvation to be found. I mean, it just, it hits, it hits you right in the mouth right from the beginning. It does. Right? It starts off big. Yeah. One of the things I, I think that perhaps is a little odd when we read the question and answer it says what is your only uh comfort in life and in death um can we talk about a, like a comfortable death sure can we yeah, that's like, a great question i mean we've endured loss this year in my own yeah. family life you've endured loss recently how do we how do we reconcile that idea particularly uh when we look at culture man death is a misnomer no one wants to talk about it no one wants right. to deal with it no we we <laughs> live a life outside of Christ, avoiding death at all costs, delaying it as long as possible, yet as Christians, we're told that we can experience a comfortable death. Yeah. So let's, uh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to do this again, so let's look at this through two lenses. And so if you ask me, what about a comfort in life and a comfort in death from me? Well, what about my comfort if I'm to lose someone too? So let's look through both lenses really quick. So if I am the person, I'm speaking about myself, my only comfort is that I'm not my own, that I am... Christ's, right? That I am bought and paid for by his death, right? That he rescued me from me, really, right? That he has bought me. I am his. Yeah. So in life, as I live day to day and, and go through highs and lows like everybody does, my comfort is not in my highs and lows. So I'm not comfortable one day, uncomfortable the next. If my, if my faith is true, if I'm focused on Jesus, but my comfort is always there because I'm in Christ, but if I die, how am I to know I will have a comfort in death? And so let's, let's think in the terms of eternally. Will I be comforted? Will, will I be near Christ? Can I count on that? Or will I be separated from God for eternity? What is my comfort? Well, that I am Christ's, right? The other way you can, you can translate that word comfort, because remember, this was, a, this was a catechism written between 450 and 500 years ago, right? 1563. 
It was written in, uh, before Germany was created, but in a language very close to German, modern-day German. And that word translated, the comfort could also be translated into trust. So what am I to trust in every day? Or what am I to trust in if I pass? Yeah. Let me grab that other lens. What about someone who has died? I have a loved one, you have a loved one. We've lost, we've lost people this year. This, this, this is a part of life. This is something none of us will escape. We will all die, right? right? Unless Jesus returns first, and that, that's great. But otherwise, we will all die. Where do I place my trust in my life? And where do I place my trust eternally? And if that is in Christ, then I am comforted. I can be assured of a comforted eternity or a comforted death. That doesn't mean a death without pain. That means that death will not have the last word. That's great. I think as we pick on that theme, that that comfort, that knowing that I am not my own, that I belong to someone greater than myself, that ultimately I can trust him with responsibility of me. Yeah. Uh, especially in those moments where, you know, death is either an experience we share because of the, of the loss of someone or we are experiencing ourselves, you know, the, the, the uh, as we approach our physical death, um, knowing that we can trust even that with someone who's not, yeah, not experiencing death, who's who's greater than it, who has victory over it, who's conquered it in Jesus mm. Christ. Yeah, if I were, if I were really doing this, if I were doing this catechism with you, and I were asking you these questions and having you memorize them in order to teach you our faith, right? Or if you were doing this with yeah. Noah or somebody else, what I might ask you is, where do we tend to put our comfort in? Like, where do you find comfort? Yeah, I think the, I mean, typically, whatever situation or circumstance that's going well, you sure. know, whether it's uh, physical health or financial mm -hmm. or career or family life or relational for me, I'm a highly relational person. And so if things are good at home with my wife and children, I'm great, yeah. super comfortable. Um, when those things are in a, in a disarray, you know, I can go into a tailspin emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Yeah. And so I think this... Uh, this again, in those moments when those things that I find comfort in have failed me, the catechism comes in and again punches me right in the mouth and says, Hey, sure. don't forget, the only thing you'll find comfort in that will not fail you is the fact that you belong to Jesus Christ. Yeah, you already answered. If, if you had just answered what you find comfort in, I would have asked you, Now, what happens if you're to lose those things? But you already right. answered that, right? So when we place our comfort, our trust, our faith, our belief, our life, right, our highs and lows depend on something other than Jesus. Uh, we are at risk of losing those. If I were to, if my wife were to have placed her comfort, all her comfort in her health, yeah. if I were to, you know, place it in finance or whatever, and, and we're to lose these things, then what do we do? And so this question begins with the idea that this is the thing that will never let you down. The, the person, not yeah. thing, but the, that Jesus will never let you down, that you are not your own but you are paid for, owned. The sole, you know, the sole yeah. ownership of you is Jesus. Yep. So if you're listening and you just find yourself in the midst of pain, sorrow, difficulty, if the things that you found comfort in have failed you lately and mm -hmm. you're looking for something, we, we would just encourage you uh, to find rescue in Jesus Christ, to find rescue in, in admitting that you uh, do not have control of your life, but someone does that loves you and that you can trust and that you would seek in, in Christ in those moments. Yeah. So we've read question and answer one and two. <clears throat> we've talked mostly about one. And so let's go to two now. So 
the question is, what must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? And the answer is... Three things. First, the greatness of my sin and misery. Second, how I am redeemed from all my sin and misery. And third, how I am to be thankful to God for such redemption. So, why... And, and these, if you, if you, again, if you haven't heard the first one, this one kind of outlines the rest of the catechism. So yep. guilt, grace, and gratitude are the, are the nicknames for the, yep. the three sections coming up that we right. will begin starting with uh, next week. So why is it so important to, to know these things? Uh, and it begins with our guilt. I am a, a firm believer uh, that when we understand the depth of our sin and our misery, our guilt, because maybe, maybe you're listening right now, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you stumbled across this, you don't even know why you're continuing to listen to this, and you're thinking, you know what, I'm a pretty happy guy, or I'm a pretty happy girl. You know, I am content with, you know, my place in life. And, and again, we would just ask the same question we just asked a few minutes ago, what if you lost right. the very things that you find comfort in? So what three things must I know? And so it begins with our guilt. And it's like, it's, it's understanding the depth of our need for a Savior. One of the most profound uh, theological pieces of learning that I ever had was early in seminary, uh, a paper I had to write. I had to choose a theological topic, and I chose the depravity of man. And so if you're listening, how sinful am I was really the question that I was wrestling with. Yep. And when I read passages like Ephesians, where it talks about that you are dead in your sins and trespasses, and now you've been made alive in Christ, this dramatic, extravagant, uh, man, vast change that takes place, what I had to learn first was how sinful I am. Yep. I think that once you acknowledge that, too, you begin to look for an answer. You begin yeah, to look absolutely. for an answer. You begin to seek out what... Uh, what can help me in that guilt? Once I acknowledge my need, how do I fill my need? Right. You know, when I realize that that I am in a broken place that I cannot rescue myself, uh, that which leads us into the the beautiful part of the catechism and the themes is once we acknowledge our need, the catechism is quick to answer it. We talked right. about this in episode one. Yep. That the largest section of the catechism deals with the second G, which is God's grace, right. His response to our guilt. Yeah. And then, of course, gratitude is going to follow that up, and that is going to be, what does it look like to live a life of faith? Yep. And so we can tease that out. We're going to pick up those topics in our next podcast, yep. uh, but we will talk about the death of sin, my need for Jesus. Uh, after that, we will pick up what Jesus has done for me or what the gospel is or what grace applied to my, applied to my life looks like, right? And then how we respond and live in the faith. Yep. Absolutely. Well... I'd like to thank you, Jeff, for giving your time and expertise once again as we talk about the themes of the Catechism Making Modern Day Connections. If you're listening online, be sure to continue to follow us as we'll continue our journey here on the Generations Church podcast in our series, Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, Making Connections and Themes in the Heidelberg Catechism. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Jin Family Church.